The problem with work, you're like, it's Sunday, it's not Monday morning, please don't remind me. Well, that's really not my intent. But to start this series out, we have to identify the problem. We have to identify the problem with work. In, in a survey, the Federal Reserve Bank found that only 27%, let this sink in, only 27% of the people currently employed are working in their field of study for which they got a degree. 27% are only working in a field where they got their degree from college. That means 73% of you are doing a job that's not even related to your degree if you have a degree. Same same type of study in 2013, Forbes did a study, I don't know, so six years ago, but they did a study and they found that 90% of the people that are employed find their job more frustrating than fulfilling. 90% of people find their job more frustrating than fulfilling. Just recently, Gallup did a poll and Gallup found that 70% of people that work hate their jobs. When they studied it globally, that rose to 85%. In the United States, 70% of the people employed, that means seven out of 10 of you sitting out here, hate your job, and if you could find a different career, you would. Seven out of 10. I don't care if that's teachers, I don't care if that's police officers, I don't care if that's lawyers, it's 70% across the board. Wow. We have problems. And think about this. In the United States, you're allowed to pick your career. In China, you're not. You're told what you will do. And in other socialist countries, you are told what you will do for a career. And so I believe that's why that number goes way up when you start looking at it globally. But in the United States, we're allowed to pick our careers. That's part of the freedom that we have in this country. And yet 70% of us said, I would pick another job. I need a volunteer. Do I have a volunteer? Just give me, let me see your hand. If I can get a volunteer to come up on stage, this will involve minimal, some, but minimal physical activity. Anybody? Anybody? All right, Joey. I'm going to pick on Joey. Um, Come on up, Joey. You're an AU, so don't let that statistic of 23% that's working in their current field, don't let that scare you out of getting your degree. But I need you to do me a favor. Brought this with me, and I'm just going to set this up. I'm going to turn this on. I'm going to turn this on full power, okay, full power. Now, what I need you to do as you stand right here, can you just put your hand down there? Can you feel it? Yeah. Okay, here's what I need you to do. With all your might and everything that's in you and all your speed and all your agility, because I know you're a golfer and you're in shape. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I need you... To catch as much wind as possible. Catch it. But you didn't. Well, bring it to me. All right. Maybe we can help Joey out. I can actually feel that. It feels pretty good. Maybe if you guys just like reach out and grab some wind yourself. Come on, reach out, grab some wind, grab some wind. All right, come on, they're, they're waving, and, and the fan, you should be able to, no, don't shoot it to me. Grab it, hold on to it. You're, you're doing a very poor job of holding. 
All right, can we give Joey a round of applause? Thanks, Joey. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, so most of us on our jobs feel like Joey over here going, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I try to do something, and I can't get it, and I can't catch it. And even if I've got, you know, even if I've got all these people out here trying to help me, I still can't, I still just can't do what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. Well, the writer of Ecclesiastes says something very similar. In fact, I'm just going to leave that on because that feels really good. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17. The writer says, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A what? Chasing after the wind. Joe, I don't, Joey, I don't know if you know this, but you just did what the Bible said. You tried to catch winning? Yes. <laughs> right? He's like, yes, I'm a good Christian. Right? I tried to catch wind. Not break it, catch it. And so the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, if you want to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, it's basically a, a teaching in Hebrew philosophy is what it is. And so the writer takes on the role of a philosophy teacher. And so he says... I've looked at life, and I've looked at all of the work to be done. He goes, and I find that it's just chasing the wind. It's just going after the wind. Why is it when we go to work and we do the things that we do that we feel like it's chasing the wind, that it's pointless, that's meaningless? Here's why. Because when we work, we want to have an impact. When we go to our jobs, we want to feel like we're making an impact. And that's why a lot of the times we feel like it's get up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, rinse, repeat. Right? Most of us want our work to benefit people. Most of us want our jobs to benefit society or our civilization. We want to make things better when we go to work. We want things to improve. We want our jobs, in a nutshell, to impact the bigger picture. Why? Because inherently inside all of us, we know that things are broken, and we want to try to make them better. We want to try to make it right. So what do we do? Well, this might come as a shock to a lot of you. Christmas is coming. Right? It comes at the same time every year. It shouldn't surprise us. But all of a sudden, after Thanksgiving, we all go, oh my gosh, Christmas is coming. Right? Like it's a shocker. And what do we do? Well, we start putting in the overtime. We start putting in extra work. We, we try to, we try to do, get more money so that we can buy a really nice gift for our kids, only to find out they would rather play with the box than the thing we bought. Right? And then we're like, why did I work all that overtime? Why did I put in all that extra work and all you want to do is play with the box? I could have got you a box. Right? I could have went out to somebody's garbage at the end of the driveway and got a box. And our work, as the writer Ecclesiastes says, becomes a chasing after the wind. So they barely play with it. We, we work extra hard to get the dream vacation and then we get sick on the vacation and the vacation doesn't go as planned. We, we work extra hard for all of this stuff, and to what end? 
What, what's the point of that? Well, what happens in our work is we tend to, and I'm, and I'm going to get into this just a little bit deeper in a few minutes. We go to work and we work for our families. I want to make a better life for my family. I want, or maybe we go to work for ourselves. I want this dream career and this dream job. And we start putting that above God. And what happens? That becomes the focal point of our work. And then we wonder why it's continually chasing after the wind. I have to make more money so I can have a better experience. I have to have more money so I can buy that dream gift for my kid, but they only play with it for a week. And we just keep chasing the wind perpetually for our entire lives. So we work for all of this stuff, and we can't figure it out. And we all know people that work, and there's a phrase that as we work, and we work for our families or work for ourselves or whatever we're working for, there's this phrase that perpetually gets repeated. I think you've probably heard it before. It's, I take pride in my work. I take pride in my work. How many of you, let me see your hands if you've heard that before. Okay, now leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. Leave your hand up if you've said that before. I'll leave both my hands up. Right, okay, put them down. That is inherently confusing. And here's why. Well, what do we mean by that? See, being prideful in work is as sinful as lying, adultery, stealing, cheating, taking. Being prideful in our jobs is a sin. It got real quiet in here. You need me to explain what I just said? Because you guys are looking at me like, what in the world? Okay, to be proud of what you do and to be proud that you do a good job is what we should be. It's okay that if you do a good job, you feel good about yourself. That's okay. But to take pride in work, to say, I am a teacher and I am good, and to be boastful and arrogant and prideful in it is a sin. But to walk here on the other side of the coin and say, I'm glad I'm a teacher. It makes me feel good. I enjoy it. I take pride in doing a good job and doing my best. That's different. But we all know the people that allow the work to define them and define who they are. And that inherently becomes a sin. Because what I want to focus on, I want to focus on that because I think inherently we all like to feel good about the work we do and, and, to, and to take pride in our work and do a good job. That's okay. But to allow what you do to define you and then begin to, to become prideful in that puts self at the center of that. And for some of you that are a little older in life, you might remember a movie titled Amadeus. And let me just kind of give you a little background of Amadeus. It's set back during the time of Mozart, and Amadeus is a composer, and he lives in the same village as Mozart. 
And in the movie, or in the play, Mozart is composing all of these great works. He's getting all of these accolades. And Amadeus is a composer, and he writes really good stuff. And the town loves it, and they enjoy what Amadeus writes. But Amadeus has a problem. He wants to be better than Mozart. In fact, he wants to be as good and get as many accolades as Mozart. He's becoming prideful in his work and wants to know why I'm not getting the recognition I deserve. That's why he composes. And in the movie, then, he, he makes a prayer, and he prays this. Lord, make me a great composer. Let me celebrate your glory through music, music and be celebrated myself. Make me famous through the world, dear God. Make me immortal. After I die, let me speak. After I die, let people speak my name forever with love for what I wrote. He says a prayer that I think a lot of us can relate to. In my work, make me immortal. Make me the best. And there's the problem. He's looking for his work to save him. Let me compose music that will stand the test of time and make me immortal. In other words, let my job save me. Let my work save me. We do that, don't we? I want, to be, I want to be the best so that I want to be the best so that I can make the most money and, and, and make not only the, the most money, but then I want, to, I want to make sure my kids have a really nice house and we have a really nice cars and we have really nice boats and we have all of this really nice stuff and, and so that I can save them from being poor and I can save them from being laughed at and I can save myself from getting laughed at for not climbing up the ladder like I should and we look to work to save us. And I don't know if that's you, but I can promise you that was me at one point in my life. Busted my butt to climb the corporate ladder at a Fortune 50 company. And I've got to prove myself. And I've got to, I've got to do all of these things to prove myself. He, Amadeus, he goes, I want to be immortal. And we look to work to try to save us. Well, I can't have my kid getting laughed at, so I will go buy the 150 pair of cleats, but I can really only afford the $50 cleats. We want to try and save ourselves from embarrassment. We want to try to save ourselves from all of these things through our work. Well, maybe it's not on the front of your mind, but it's probably on the back of a lot of our minds. And so we look to work to make us immortal and save us. And the Bible says that the only thing that can save us is Jesus. And the Bible says that in him... All of our needs are met according to what? Not according to how much you work, but according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's where you're saved. And then through that, he provides the means to meet your needs. But inherently through work, we try to save ourselves. We try to I know, it's a, it's, a pretty deep, it's a pretty deep concept, isn't it? Some of you are like still wrestling with this. And maybe for some of you, it's really hit home. But 
Like Amadeus, a lot of us are trying to find salvation through our work. And here's what happens when we do that. We find ourselves being alienated from other people because we have to beat out the next guy to get the next promotion. And so we become alienated from people. We become alienated from our spouses because we spend so much time at work trying to climb the ladder and do more that, guess what? The marriage sinks. The family sinks. We become alienated from our families or we become disappointed when I put in the hours, put in the hard work, but they got the promotion and I didn't, and so we get disappointed. And disappointment set in, sets in because we're trying to save our family and save ourselves and, and get all of these things for ourselves and save our family and push our family for more things and nicer things. And it's really through Christ that we're supposed to find these things. And so work cannot save you. And so what happens when in our jobs we start to feel alienated and disappointed? Well, then suddenly work becomes pointless. Why am I even here? I'm not climbing the ladder. I'm not, I didn't get the raise I thought I should have, get, should have gotten. And, and how do I go home and tell my spouse that I got the pink slip today and I got let go? And we, we wrestle with all of this in our careers and in our jobs, and it becomes pointless or maybe in our work, we start to find our identity. I, I think it's interesting that a lot of us, in our jobs, here's what happens. Somebody comes up and says, well, what do you do? I'm an administrative assistant. And what did you just do? In that I am an administrative assistant. What did we just do with those four words? I had to count them. Here's what we did. We just tagged our identity to what we do, not who we are. I am an engineer. I just tagged my identity to what I do. So if I'm no longer doing that, I don't know who I am. And I see this all the time. I remember several years ago, a a professional athlete did something really ridiculous and choked his coach. And I remember in an interview afterwards, he goes, if I don't, if I don't, play basketball in the NBA, I don't know where I'm going to get a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I am. <laughs> Tied his job to who he was, and suddenly my identity is taken away. The Bible says that you're a child of God. That The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. The Bible says that Jesus is your big brother. There's your identity. This is just what I do so maybe next time when somebody says well, what do you do for a living or or what's your job or what's your career you say i do administrative assistant work i do it but that's not what i am that's not who i am but we get wrapped up and we tie our identity to what we do the last kind of story that i want to share with you is comes from genesis the first book in the bible And there's a story early on in Genesis where the people get together and they say, you know what, we we need to build a tower that goes to heaven. And listen to their words. Listen to this. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 3 through 4, they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. 
They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So the people come together and they say, hey, we need to build this really big tower as a central gathering point. And we want to be able to make a name for ourselves. And we want to be able to gather as a people group. So let's get busy working. Let's begin to work. Well, there's two problems. And I think there are two problems that all of us in this room, at one point or another, if we're not careful, we fall into with our jobs. The first thing they say is they say, I want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. They want recognition and they want noticed. Now, inherently, being recognized for doing a good job is not wrong, and it's not wrong to be noticed, but if that's your sole motive, I'm doing this to get recognition, and I'm doing this so that everybody will pay attention to me because it feeds me, and it makes me feel good, and I get fed by everybody telling me how good I am and how awesome I am, and I don't get my identity, and I don't get fed as a child of God and allow that to feed my identity, then I will constantly be chasing recognition because recognition comes and it goes, and it goes as quickly as it comes. And so I'm constantly looking for the recognition. And so they said, come, let's build a tower that reaches the heavens. I want everybody to be able to see what I'm doing. I'm not getting the recognition I deserve. It's about me. And some people work for the recognition. And what happens? Self, me, becomes an idol. It's called idolatry. It's when we put anything else in front of God. There's a reason why the the Ten Commandments and Moses, right? And so Moses was the first guy to have a tablet. And And so that was a horrible dad joke. But... So Moses comes down with his tablet, and the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments, the very first one is what? And I believe it's the most important because God knew inherently, do not have any other gods before me. Because inherently, we all as humans want to do everything ourselves, put ourselves first, and we will worship anything other than God. We will put something else before God. We'll put something else. We'll put our jobs before God. We'll put our families before God. Anything that you put in front of God as a priority is idolatry. It can be your family. It can be your job. It could be your car. It could be your house. It could be a dream you have for your life and something you want to fulfill. Anything before God becomes your God and therefore is idolatry. And so the very first of the Ten Commandments says, do not put any other gods before me. And somebody who's working for self-recognition and, and for people to constantly uh, celebrate them and pat them on the back because they want to be recognized in their job is creating an idol other than God in their life. So what happens? Well, I want the bigger car. I want the nicer house. I want, if, you're, if you're my youngest son, you want the cooler socks with the pineapples and the cool socks with the space kitty that's got the scratch pad thing and the Pop-Tarts kitty on your socks, right? Like, you have to have a kid that understands what I'm talking about. And so you're constantly working for the next best thing 
because you got to keep up with the Joneses or you got to keep up, you know, with the neighbor. And what happens is when, as we start, and this is inherently true, and you can see this, we work so hard and get so many things and get so blessed, then we just kind of push God out the window. I've got this. I feel good. I feel safe. I've got a nice house with a decent yard. I feel safe. Our family's relatively healthy. I don't need God. So I'll sleep in or I'll skip my time with God today because everything's going good. And we get blessed right out of a relationship with God. Ouch. I have found that walking with God requires more work when everything's going good than when it's going bad. Because when it's going bad, I've got, I know where the source is. I know where I need to go. But when I'm getting blessed and, you know, the, maybe there's a little extra income and things are going well, I get blessed right out of a relationship with God. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen. That's when you need to stay consistent. You need to build yourself up because I can promise you this. The time will, will change. And so when things are going good, that's when you should begin to develop your spiritual life. When, when does our military prep for war? During war or during peacetime? Some of you are in the military. You prep during peacetime. Because if you wait till war comes, it's not going to work. So we develop our relationship. And so I want to, I just kind of as a caution, as a cautionary tale and as, as a warning, I want to say, don't allow the good times to cause you to take the foot off the gas in your relationship with God. Because inherently, then, when the bad times come, you're going to wonder what's going on. And you're not going to have the Bible verses memorized. You're not going to have the prayer, prayer saved up in the bank in your spiritual life to be able to rely on. And so, the first thing they said is, I want personal recognition. I want it to be selfish for me. The second thing they said is, they said, Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It seems like, though it doesn't say it, it seems like the people were getting a sense of self-worth from being a member of a larger group. I'm a part of this larger group. Well, okay, let me, let me, get, let me, let me hit home. I'm a case guy, not a John Deere guy. I'm a John Deere guy, not a case guy. I'm a GM person and not a Ford person. I'm a Chrysler person and not a GM person. And I'm going to identify with this group, right? I'm going to identify with this group because I identify with them, and by the way, they're better than them. And so what happens is when we start working for a group versus our individual selves, when we start working for the group, and we allow our identity to be tagged to a group, here's what happens. The group becomes the idolatry. Right? The group becomes the idolatry. And when we work for groups, individual freedoms begin to disappear. And when you focus more on the group, and work more for the group than things like cliques, snobbery, well, our group is better than your group. Things like 
all the isms start to show up. Things like imperialism, colonialism, racism, our group is better than your group. Socialism starts to creep up because our group is better than your group and it should be this way and I'm going to push it. And then inherently, guess what? Idolatry, sin. So there's two problems that we find with the Tower of Babel. Number one, work is idolatry when it's me-central, me-focused in my family. Work is idolatry when I identify with a group to make the, my group is better than your group, and so on. Where does that leave us? That leaves us with a problem with work. Two problems. One, making itself or for your family as an idol leads to individualistic cultures and disunity. I got to get mine. I got to get mine. The second option, making group an idol, leads to suppression of individual freedom and then nobody's voice really counts. In fact, Timothy Keller, the pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, he said this about this, these two ideas of work. He said, the two things we all want so desperately, glory and relationship, can coexist only with God. The two things we all want so desperately, glory, individualism. I want to be known for my individual ideas, and, and I count as an individual, and relationship, groups. Those two things can only coexist in God, and we're going to dive more into those ideas and concepts in the coming weeks. How do we, it, how in God can we be individualistic and work as a group? I want to leave you with this final verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. It says this, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. There he says it again. He says, a fool, he, he, he says you've got two hands. A fool goes, work is pointless, I'm just not going to work. I'm just not going to do it. And puts his hands in his pockets and does no toil and no work. He says, it's a chasing after the wind, though, to do this job and that job and that job and perpetually stay busy working all the time. He goes, it's a, it's a chasing after the wind. He says, it's best if you've got two hands to work and then find some rest and peace to balance the two. Because that's, he says, that's where it's at. So what would happen, let me ask, this, ask you this in closing, what would happen if we could approach work differently? What if we could approach Monday morning and we could get Monday morning to feel like Friday? Anybody down with that? Okay, look at your neighbor and go, tomorrow's your Friday. Tomorrow's Friday. Look at your other neighbor and go, I'll be happy on Monday, I'll be happy on Monday. Tell them I'll be happy on Monday. All right, let's stand up. Next week, we're going to talk about a new approach to work. We've defined the problem. We work for ourselves and our family, or we work for the group, and, and it becomes idolatry. Next week, we're going to turn this thing around. We're going to talk about how do we approach work so that Monday feels like Friday, and Friday just feels like Friday, and we can approach work differently. And as the psalmist says, we're not going to chase the wind. We're not going to chase the wind 
but we're going to go at work the way God designed work. Amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we get ready to close out with a song? I'm going to ask Steve, Jet to come up here. I'm going to ask Lynn and Jesse to come over here on this side. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that work was your idea. And in the beginning, work had meaning and had purpose. And we could take glory in work. And we could take glory as a group doing our work together. That was your plan from the beginning. But sin has entered in and we've become prideful and stingy and selfish in our work. And I want this and I work harder than they do. I should get the promotion. And Lord, forgive us of that. Forgive us of putting ourselves first in the job, not putting you first in our job. God, I ask as we close out in song that we would examine our hearts, not just sing words to a song, but maybe we just need to close our eyes and examine our own heart. And if there's anybody here this morning and needs prayer for anything, as we close out in song, I want you to come down to the front and we're gonna we're gonna pray with you. We want to pray with you. Believe that God will change your circumstance and do something different in your life.